Hey everyone, it's Christine Mercer from Blue Shoe Cooperative's Ladies Who Launch podcast series. It's all about women in business, successful ones that have found their niche, but are not necessarily household names. These are the ladies who launch. Welcome, Shanette Barth-Cohen. We're so excited to have you here, the executive director of the Hampton Classic, one of the foremost horse shows in the country, and a huge event filled with sponsorship and filled with event information. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with us today. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. We're going to look at it from two perspectives today. One is from sponsorships, how to get them, how to enhance them, and then we're also going to look at it from vendors. A lot of our listeners are from the event industry and obviously would love to be doing business with organizations like yours that are running events in the multi-cajillion dollars <laughs> and the big bids coming in. So whether it's seating for 30000 or whatever you're doing, um, this is some major bidding. And I want to talk to you about your philosophy and how you like to be approached. So let's start with the vendor section first. Sure. Okay. I'm a vendor, and I sell um, amazing food trucks with X, Y, and Z in them. I'm just going to use this as an example. And I want to be at the Hampton Classic. Okay, what turns you off, and what turns you on when someone approaches you? So we have we have systems in place for a lot of the you know for like the on-site vendors that want to come and sell stuff. For the vendors that want to supply you know be our service provider when it comes to maintaining our footing or doing our grandstands or um, our tenting. Those are sort of two different, so we have sort of vendors in both areas, so they're, they're different things. Um, for for someone who wants to be a vendor here to reach the audience that comes to the Hampton Classic, like a, f- a food truck um, or uh, someone that sells jewelry or apparel, we have a very clear system in place, actually. There's an application process. We have a committee that, that figures out what makes the most sense for our show, um, and they try and curate. When, you, when we talk about our boutique shopping area and our stable or shopping area, the committee tries hard to curate it so that we don't have all artists or all apparel or all jewelry. So there's no um, secret doorway in. There's really not, but, but although there is, there is a way in as long as they're meeting a certain threshold of what they're providing. So we try hard not to have static booths. We we get approached constantly to have sort of a lounge area or just an informational booth and we really try not to do that. It's not been successful so much in the past, but as so as long as it's something that we think will enhance the experience of the people who are coming to the show, so something they can purchase um and you know mm-hmm. something interesting. Um if someone doesn't Go get in through the application process, or if they want to guarantee that they're going to get in, they could get in as a sponsor. But let's say that I have a service. Um, let's say that tenting is a service yeah. I provide. Okay, I have no idea what your tenting contracts are. They could go for three to five years, but I want you to know about my company. Mm-hmm. Do you like it when people send snail mail, email? I mean, what you know, what what do you notice? Sure. You as the executive director, what have you has come across your desk where you go, wow? I think. I actually don't mind getting an email or, I mean, snail mail, if it's, it's lots of brochures and stuff, I might just hand that over to my um, grounds right. guy. I would forward the email. I don't mind getting talk, you know, reached out to periodically, and I'll usually respond and say, huh. we're in the middle of a three-year deal or a five-year contract or whatever, but we'll keep this on file for the next time we're bidding it out. And we do bid, when our contracts are up, we bid them out. We're a nonprofit, but we're also a business, and we want to have good business practices. Do you think most people have that approach? We've heard both. We've heard both. 
I do. I'm furious when people reach out to me unsolicited. Really? Yeah. What? No, what <clears throat> bothers me, so okay. this is a pet peeve. I will get emails from, and usually it comes to like info at Hampton Classic versus my personal email, which which is Shanette at HamptonClassic.com. I'm, I share that with anyone. It is right on our website. No, it's not your personal email. That's I'm your not, professional. Yeah, my, yeah, pardon me, yeah, professional. But my, yeah. to me personally versus to the Hampton right. Classic. Yes, you're right. That's not my personal email. But um, so on our website. I can give you her personal email. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> thank you. On our website, we list our staff members and their email addresses. Interesting. So I do prefer it if someone does a little research. It doesn't take a lot of research because uh-huh. it has us right there under staff and and looks and says, you know what? I think if I'm interested in in being a tent vendor, I mean the executive director is not necessarily the wrong person to send it to, but maybe the site manager makes some sense to send it to, right? I mean, mm-hmm. or copy and the other, so those. I didn't even get to my first pet peeve, but the first one is if they send to info blindly and in the email they say, if you're interested in blah, 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 let me know. And then they follow up and say, did you get my email? And I'm thinking, why, yes, I did, but you said to follow (laughs) up if I'm interested and I'm not. (laughs) So that I find, and sometimes it's quite angry, like I didn't hear back from you. It's like, but you told me only to get in touch if I'm interested. It's not about you, it's about me. So that's one pet peeve. And the second is if someone sends a some some people will take that list of staff and send the same email to every staff person separately. Now, if they want to send it to all the staff and copy us so we can see one another got it, that's fine because then you're aware that other people are in the loop. But sometimes it's something that's actionable and five people will get it and don't realize that other people have it and then we're all starting action and we've wasted time right, because we're right. doing double duty. So those are some of my frustrations. But I don't mind people getting in touch. I mean, you're not. We won't be aware of the opportunities out there, the different businesses out there. I mean, it's their responsibility really to make their potential clients aware of them. I love that attitude, by the way, and it isn't shared by everyone, especially at your level. So I love that attitude, and I think it also says, okay, if one in five have the Chanette approach to this then why wouldn't right. you send one email a day so once a week you get somebody who actually looks at your company? Yeah. So that's that's a really good point. So one other pet peeve, so okay. now that I'm like... Bending, okay, now that you're on a roll. Now that I'm on a roll, <laughs> like that negative Chanette. But I, I, I also am not a fan when... I'm perfectly happy to have someone reach out to me. But when someone says, I was taking a look at fill in the blank, and I think... I, It's one thing to say you think you could do a better job, but when you're trashing the job that's currently being done or insulting, basically Mm -hmm. we're, they're insulting us to get our business. Right. You know, I, I thought that I'm trying to think of an, I don't have a real example that I can think of, but you know, if someone said, you know, I thought that the decor in Uh your, in your VIP tent was just abominable and we're specialists on event decor and won't you hire us? Well, gee, no, thank you because we liked it. And you know, even if you, there are ways that we can improve, right. you know, maybe it's budget constraints or whatever, but no one wants to be insulted or told that what the decisions they've made before were bad, even if they might agree. You know, it's so funny that you say that because one of the tenets of Blue Shoe Strategies, we don't ever talk about competition and our clients, when we're putting presentations together for them, our attitude is we don't talk about anybody else. We talk about ourselves. And I remember my father, when I was very young, saying he heard me, oh, you know, talking with a friend about another friend who really wasn't a friend or we wouldn't have been speaking about her that way. And he took me aside and he said, you know, Chris, when you talk about another person that way, it's a false way of elevating yourself. And it's true in business too. If that's all you have to sell is that somebody else did it badly, 
that's not really a, a good play. Right, so, right. Yeah, good excellent. Point. Really, really good point. Okay, let's just move off now a little bit into sponsorships. Now, the thing I've noticed about your sponsorships, and I've worked with you in putting packages together for some Blue Shoe clients, is that it seems as if no sponsorship package is exactly the same. It seems as if your sponsorship packages also fall to the Blue Shoe strategy tenants of always customized to the person that you're pitching. So you have such an interesting sponsorship list. You have, you know, there's been Range Rover. There's been, I mean, name, name, just name some of the luxury brands. Let's Right. Yeah. Well, well, Land Rover and Jaguar and Longines and, um, well, tons in the realty space. I mean, and we have don't forget Jeff Champagnes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. I mean, Champagne Louis Rotor actually was a sponsor for 20 years. They're not back this year, yeah, actually. But that's, okay. but, that's, yeah. but, that, but that's a category yeah. that's been open for the first time now in 20 years. Yeah. And we've had some great conversations with some potential partners. And um, we actually have two different companies that are coming this year to take a look um, for potentially for next year. And that's actually one of the ways we really look at our partnerships is lasting long term, I mean, Rotor being more than 20 years and Land Rover and Jaguar, I think 25 years. Um, and the sales process sometimes takes quite a while too. I mean, we'll often invite prospects to the show to see us in action for us to walk them around and right. point out the different things that they could potentially do and then sit down and talk about specifics and put together the sponsorship for the next year. Um, well, we know that when someone comes to the Hampton Classic, you're talking about the the very, very wealthy elite people that follow uh, an, an industry like horse shows because it's very expensive to participate in a horse show. You know, there's no question. So yeah. So the people attending this show are their market. Absolutely. Well, the people, so we have, we have a few markets, but we, it's pretty much all high net worth because we're in the Hamptons. I mean, the def we're a lucky horse show really because of mm -hmm. where we're situated yeah. when it comes to garnering good sponsors um, who want to be part of the show. So you're absolutely right. In the industry, the people who are participating, who own the, own the horses, who ride the horses, who are part of the sport that travels around the world to compete, that's a very um, you know wealthy group of people. But also those people sitting in our grandstands who are from the community who maybe never ride or know anyone who rides, but who are fans of the Hampton Classic and of the sport because they've seen it in person here, are also very well off. I mean, pretty much anyone sitting on our grandstands could probably buy a Longines watch if they would like to. You know, they can afford it. They just, you know, may or, they need to know about it. So, um, but you know, they maybe prefer Timex. But we, <laughs> okay. But here's one of the things I noticed. I remember I, it was quite a while ago. I remember one of the things I saw you do that you, it was the first time you'd ever done it was I guess Fendi had come in as a sponsor and you opened up for the first time a small a uh, small lounge area in the VIP tent where it was the Fendi lounge area, and they had Fendi bags, and women were in there all week buying bags. Yeah. And not only that, Fendi actually designed a bag called the Hampton Classic bag, right? No, they, they not exactly, but they launched the bag. It was a new bag okay. called the Celeria. Okay. And it was a, had a horse on it, and it actually looked sort of like our logo because it was it was in an oval. It, it had. I felt like it was the Hampton well, Classic. When bag. they yeah. designed it, I don't believe the people in Italy designing it really had the Hampton <laughs> Classic on the brain. Oh, I, you know <laughs> what, what they were thinking about. We can you? pretend uh, they did, but okay. I don't. I don't know if that's so. I'm pretty sure it's not so, but. The people in, in New York who know the Hampton Classic and know, knew their bag saw the synergy, and um, they launched was the, the bag Was the here. lounge your idea or their idea? 
it actually came out of one of our board members who was friendly with the marketing people from Fendi, which is how we got connected with them. And but, so, but the lounge wasn't there. No. And you created the lounge for them. And it's one of the tenets that I think for sponsorship is so critical to not be bound in by the parameters of what your sponsor list options are, but looking at the client and saying, this might work really well for this client. Right. And let's add this in as an opportunity for them with additional costs so that you're constantly parlaying new revenue streams in for your sponsorships. I've never seen an organization that does it, I think, as well as you guys. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, we try... The thing is, it's it's an inventory question, right? I mean, what do you have to sell? And really, the the inventory should be unlimited. If you're if you can think of it, you can you can then package it and sell right. it. And also, it's a way of carving out a space so that each sponsor has a way to be special and be seen and have relevance for within the group Brilliant. that they're trying yeah. to to reach. I mean, we've the last two years, and we're still in the process of finalizing some of our sponsors. For this year, so I don't know what our final number will be this year, but for last year and the year before, we had about a hundred corporate sponsors right. in each That's of those years. Yeah. So for a one-week horse show. Yeah, for yeah. a one-week show, which is amazing, but it's also um, it could be thought of as troubling for someone wanting to get on board. Right? Am I going to be lost in the clutter? Mm-hmm. So we work very hard to not let that happen. Um, we, t- the first thing we do when someone reaches out, um, if they contact us about wanting um, a spon- you know, sponsorship information, or if, or if we contact them too, um, is I want to meet with them and understand who are you trying to reach? Right. You know, what are your objectives? Are you looking to have more branding and reach our audience? Or are you looking to bring your guests and entertain them and really give them a fabulous hospitality experience? Are you looking to, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. Are you are sales a driver? Did you need boutique space? Right. Or, um, you know, are you trying to drive traffic to a retail location in East Hampton? Like, what is it you're trying to do? And then also get an understanding of budget. You know, where are you in, in, in a budgeting standpoint? And if, if once we establish those things, we will put together, you know, we'll talk, brainstorm ideas, and we'll put together some proposals um, as robust as possible at the price point um, that they're looking right. to spend with the focus on the elements that are the most important to them. And it's so funny because that you're naturally talking about another blue shoe tenant, which is nobody cares about you, they care about themselves. And so even though they're there to, quote, hear about the Hampton Classic, they don't really want to hear about the Hampton Classic. They want to hear about what will the Hampton Classic do for them. Right. Yeah, which is exactly what you're talking about. So the sponsorship... Uh, when someone contacts you, you do the due diligence and you work with them before you send them, here's our generic package and you can have X. Absolutely. I mean, we certainly, we have internally price points, minimum price points to have right. certain elements within the package because we also want it to be fair and, and equitable between the different sponsors. You don't want one sponsor that's spending six figures to get the exact same package as someone spending, you know, you know, f- five figures, right. because then that doesn't make sense. Um, so we do have minimums in order to have a jump in the Grand Prix ring, you have to spend this or more or to have, but then there are also some variables. So if they want, if someone wants like, you know, two ringside tables and a jump, it's going to be significantly more than if they wanted right. a jump and no tables. So exactly. it, it all comes together. It all comes together. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, you talked about sponsors who reach out to you and how you approach them. Okay. Are you targeting and reaching out to sponsors? Sure. Absolutely. And how do you do that? So, well, to find the leads, we look, we pay attention to what sponsors are doing at other horse shows or other luxury events. We know we read, we're 
we're diligent about reading diligent about reading the IEG sponsorship report for those of you who do not look at that mm -hmm. totally you need to look at that IEG it's sponsorship.com is their website but they are constantly um, giving information about what other events are doing. Actually, you sent me a great article about social media and what was being done at, at Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah, which I loved because I just had a meeting with you and it it mirrored what I had told. Yeah, exactly. You. I'm like, you're yeah. <laughs> it sounds just like what you were saying. <laughs> oh, how nice! Right. How surprising. And and um, so we we do a lot of research to see who we should go right. after because we don't want to waste our time blindly calling people just because. And then how do you target who so, you're going to call? So that's tough too. So sometimes we'll, you know, we'll reach out to board members and say, "Does anyone know anyone at this company?" If if we don't happen to know anyone at that company, we'll go and look right. at LinkedIn, see if there's anyone who could make an introduction. I mean, sort of your basic. It's always easier to get in the door if you can find someone who can make that introduction, or it, it just gives a sense of of you know recognition. And I feel like if I can get the meeting, if someone's willing to meet with me, it means they must have some money to spend. And they must have some objective that right. we could probably fill. And the Hampton Classic and actually all equestrian events are so broad in their scope. I mean, we have lead line competitions with two-year-old riders being led around by adults to Olympi Olympians. And and a shopping area and a kids area and you know, amateurs. And so, yeah. yeah, so we can we can probably respond to almost any business. Uh -huh. And we have a lot of business-to-business -business opportunities. And when we have C-level executives riddled in our VIP areas. Um, they are, yeah. Yeah, so... By the way, who not only are they in the area, but they're sitting there with nothing to do a good portion of the time. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, as yeah. somebody whose daughter rode at the Classic, I was here four or five days for maybe an hour and a half of riding, and the rest of the time you're sitting there waiting for it to happen. So that's time yeah. when you're looking through the, you know, you're looking through the... Yeah, and, the and it's interesting. And... So a funny story, um, the chairman of FTI, or former chairman of FTI Consulting, um, when they were sponsoring Great guy, here, by the way. Yeah, really he's great. Um, was here, and he told me that their switchboard... Now, this doesn't happen, but this happened at the Hampton Classic. The, the switchboard at FTI got a phone call from a man who said, "I'm my kid's showing in the Pony Hunters at the Hampton Classic. Wait, I have Classic. to interrupt you. FTI yes. does forensic accounting... Yeah, the yeah. consulting I mean, and forensic accounting. Way, they did the Madoff investigation. <laughs> exactly. Like they're a big deal. It's a yeah. cool company. Yeah. So when they get when something comes across their switchboard, yeah. you want to know who's calling for yeah. what. So uh, someone uh, someone called from here said, "My kid's showing in the Pony Hunters, and I'm I see your banner, <laughs> and it reminded me that we should talk, and <laughs> and ended up becoming a huge client of theirs from seeing a banner like." <laughs> you know, we all talk about activation, activation. Don't just slap a banner up. But in that case, yeah. the banner worked. But it's well, funny. you know, it, well, a banner amidst other things. Absolutely, you know, there was also a page in the program, and oh, they were for being sure. announced. I yeah, mean, exactly. I, I joke. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but but the truth is, this guy was out at a pony ring. He wasn't in the VIP tent when <laughs> he, he was saw bored. It. He was and bored, <laughs> hanging out on the showgrounds. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. we can, we have touch points all around the grounds with yeah. all different groups of people and. And so, and the truth is, though, so many events probably also have that type of thing that they're not thinking about. They're not tapping into. Um, so if we just get creative about it and really having a dialogue with the sponsor and their marketing people is key because they know their brand and product and who they're trying to reach better than anyone. Okay, but, but so back to the question, and then mm -hmm. we're almost wrapping up here. Sure. Um, how do you decide who to reach out to in a company you've targeted, not who's called you? So... Ideally, if I can't find someone that I know, then I would go to the marketing department. Like if I can't, even if it's not marketing, but it's an introduction, 
I would go to that person first and say, can you help us get to the right person? Okay. Yeah. But if, if it's completely blind, I would just start with the marketing department. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think anybody does it better than you guys. So we're really grateful you took this time to talk today. I just have three quick questions that we end all of our podcasts okay. with. Where'd you go to college? Mount Holyoke. Okay. What did you major in? Um, history and politics. It wasn't called political science. It was called <laughs> politics. People look at me funny when I say politics. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And what do you wish you majored in? I was happy with that. Were you? Well, well it's a liberal arts school, so you sort because, of get a smattering. Because the Hampton Classic is so political. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was on the equestrian team, so that was an education yeah, team. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. And what was your favorite movie you've seen this year? Um, well, if we're talking within a year from since today, I would say La La Land, but I don't, I don't know. Oh, I, I hated La La Land. Oh, my God, I loved it. Oh, my God. I he loved it. He can't dance, it. he can't sing. It doesn't matter. It, it was, matters. It matters. It was such a... He, it was wonderful. Okay. I loved it. All right. Well, La La Land it is then. Um, thanks for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you.